0: Hey, welcome to Win The Shift, a podcast for when life and faith go off script. My name is Michael Frost, and would you believe it, this is our last episode of 2018, which perhaps would be a slightly more uh, celebratory, momentous occasion if I hadn't started the pod- podcast so close to the end of the year, but I'm going to call that good planning, give myself a milestone already. Yes. So anyway, I've uh, so far I've had a really good time. This is the fifth episode. Uh, but we're going to be back nice and early in the new year, kicking off with a new series and we are going to be talking about how we see God, you know, just, uh, just that casual light topic that everybody finds so easy to solve. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be tackling uh, talk of metaphors and mysticism as well as some of the challenges that come about from uh, reading the Bible uh, and in particular looking at some of the quite wild and violent texts in the Bible and what we do with those. And do they offer us a view of God who is violent and volatile and petulant uh, or is something else going on here? So we're going to tackle our way through a little bit of that. Uh, and just for good measure, we're going to throw in some conversations about hell. Yes, uh, just that old chestnut. Uh, talk about the theological, emotional and ethical challenges with some of the traditional ideas about that four-letter word as um, as well as tackling why so many Christians seem to believe And human sacrifice, yeah. So, you know, it's going to just be a few light topics for us to be exploring. Now, I don't just want to talk about these things to be controversial or or anything like that, but I do think the discussions really matter because often it's these quite problematic ideas that sit beneath the surface that can really drive the show, really uh, run at a subconscious level the life that a lot of uh, religious people and Christian people in particular are living on the surface. So, uh, so my hope is that these conversations are going to perhaps, yes, uh, pull apart and critique some ideas, but also invite us to think deeply about what we say and think about God and to unpack these versions of God that can be often subtly or not so subtly harmful to people and explore instead some views of God that might be liberating, might hopefully, might be genuine and a meaningful alternative to some of those uh, more problematic visions. So that's some stuff to look forward to in the new year. But today's episode, is, as I said, is the last for 2018. And if you've been listening from the start or picked up somewhere along the journey so far, you'll know that we've been exploring in particular the dynamics of power and the intersection with faith and spirituality and faith communities. So today's episode includes some more of that conversation and in particular is exploring the idea of poetry and art and how it can help us to form a kind of resistance to the dominant scripts and narratives that are given to us so often by those in power. This episode includes some conversation with spoken word poet Dietrich Soakai, a friend I've known for many years. And so I went out to where Dietrich works and had a bit of a chat about how he got into poetry and how he's seen it help people give voice to things that are otherwise quite difficult to talk about. Uh, So I was using some recording gear out and about with people milling around, which is a different experience for this episode, so... You will notice things sound a little different when we drop into the conversation with Dietrich, but that's all good I reckon, so yeah. This is episode 5 of In The Shift, let's get into it. (music) So this episode of In The Shift is titled Poets, Prophets and the Art of Resistance. One of the things that really strikes me about various forms of art, including poetry, which we're going to talk mostly about in this episode, is that at its best it offers us a different kind of interpretation of life from the one we're often handed or exposed to. It's not to say that it always does this, but I think that's what art is doing when it's at its most profound. And one of the things I'm prompted by when I read or hear good poetry, for example, or when I listen to a really compelling piece of music or see a provocative piece of art is to ask myself, how are they reinterpreting or even reimagining reality for us? The artist suggests to us that there might be a different way of looking at things, that there might be a different story or experience that needs to be told, that we need to be exposed to, that we need to hear. We need to hear it in a different way. And these different perspectives remind us that what you know can be the quite mechanical, pragmatic, and even brutish versions of reality that are imposed upon us are not the way we have to see or know or believe or hope. And the beauty of art and poetry uh, is that it'll often do some ways that take us beyond the fight or flight, take us beyond those instinctive self protection responses of the brain. You know, so when we usually experience a different idea, a different reality, somebody holding to a different. Opinion, you know, that fight or flight kicks in, the amygdala fires up uh, and we struggle to process and reflect but the amazing thing about good art and poetry and music is that it kind of comes at us sideways it engages us differently it engages different parts of our brain and it actually pulls on our imagination uh, and it provokes us but it provokes us in a way uh, that doesn't always just cause us to go into uh, defensive mode so As I mentioned earlier, I sat down with uh, Dietrich Soakai recently to talk about poetry and some of these ideas. Dietrich is a spoken word poet who is passionate about story and journeying with people. Dietrich has worked as a youth development worker for over 10 years and is currently working for Brothers in Arms, which is a community organisation that works in mentoring with at-risk and vulnerable young people. For three years of his life, Dietrich was a full-time poet performing and facilitating around Aotearoa New Zealand and abroad working with groups as young as preschool, through to the corporate business sector and even professional rugby teams. And his personal conviction is that everyone has a story and it's these stories that enrich our lives. Uh, to begin with, I wanted to get a sense of how Dietrich actually became a spoken word poet and of what initially drew him into it. And it turns out that it was a date gone bad, of all things. He was going to a spoken word evening to meet up with a girl, but she cancelled at the last minute and then they both turned up
1: Anyway. Head, I'm on my way to this event and I get this text from this from the person that I'm interested in and she's like oh, actually I've decided not to go don't really want to go anymore um, but have fun I'm like oh okay <laughs> so I get to the event and then uh, lo and behold she's there <laughs> well that
0: seems a little awkward
1: <laughs> yeah um, and so I walk in and I, I'm like and I'm watching her from my peripheral um, uh, from my periphery peripheral, whatever the word is watching her from the side of my eye kind of wanting her to see me but kind of not wanting her to see me because I didn't know how that interaction would go but um, maybe a part of me was still like oh maybe she'll see me and be like hey I decided to show up you know uh, that didn't happen Uh, we just pretended like we didn't even know each other (laughs) So here I am at this game.
0: Okay, so the date wasn't really playing out well, was it? But Dietrich found himself being drawn in by the experience of poetry. And by the end of the night, a date gone bad had turned into an opportunity to express himself a through a different way of communicating.:
1: people. Anyway, uh, my mate, uh, the poet, got up and he started to perform and read his poems. And what I realized was, as I was listening, and I was being moved, and I was like, wow, this is beautiful, like, beautiful like, rhythm, um, incredible words, I've never thought of putting those words together, and how those, you know, the way you're structuring things was um, invoking a lot of uh, emotion in me. What I was, like, really taken back by, because um, this is kind of an art that I acquired from um, my big church days, is the scanning the audience, so as you're feeling stuff and as you're um, being taken somewhere uh, it's the old like look and see if other people are resonating and yeah to my surprise everybody was feeling it like the homeless people at the back like everybody were all held in this moment by this guy's poetry and as it began to um, further um, unravel I was like hold up, this guy's just sharing his testimony. <laughs> this guy's sharing his testimony. Well, this is like, this is, and then the thought, the, the thought that came next was like, wow, this is literally like church. Right. Uh, we are all being held in a moment. We are all being taken on a journey and we are feeling things together regardless of where we're at um, in society. Uh, but we're, we're together in this moment. I went up to the bro afterwards, and I was like, man, I you know, thanked him, and I, I said something to the effect of, I wish I could do what you did, uh, what you do. In in his um, Fijian, Uvean uh, manner, he was like, oh, Russ, you can do it too, bruh. <laughs> um, and I just thought, okay, so that night, drove away from the event, um, and contemplating about what I just, you know, reflecting on what I just had had experienced. And obviously I had a bit of fuel out of other things to get off my chest, i.e. rejection, i.e. date that didn't happen. (laughs) Sure. A few emotions close to the surface. Yeah. So I chucked on POD. You remember POD, Payable Do you remember POD. Heavy Metal. I chucked on that CD, and I played the CD, and I just started like screaming and like um, uh, expressing like just all the frustration. And you know, because I, you know, I'm not the type of person who has that uh, sort of suaveness to go and ask, you know, people. Or I was never that kind of guy to ask a girl out so that was the closest I'd ever gotten and it, it was a very non-event it was a yeah flopped so anyway I'm like screaming and, and saying all the stuff uh, over POD and then I thought you know what I'm going to give this uh, poetry thing a go so then I just started freestyling and um, and then I started sort of feeling I felt there was something in that so then I stopped POD and by this time, I'm almost at my home in Manuka. I pull up to the dairy. I don't know, it was probably like 10 p.m. at night. And and then I thought, nah, stuff it. I'm gonna give this a go. Pulled out my iPhone 4, hit record, and just bleh. And just poetically tried to tell my story in a way with all the emotion. And I can't remember whether it was 45 minutes or whether it was two hours. Whatever length of time, it was a good length of time. And I remember leaving my car or getting home and just feeling this massive weight off had just been lifted through that act. Go the next morning, I'm still feeling really good. For a guy who just had a terrible date, basically, you know, it just went wrong on every, any way, possible, you know, every way possible, uh, I went to work and my friend uh, Grace Taylor, shout out to her, uh, I was, I sheepishly showed her uh, a bit of the recording, because it was a long recording, and she put her headphones on and she was listening to it and she was like, bro, there's, there's something in this, bro, you should you should look into this a bit more. So then I, I went home and then I, I transcribed everything that I'd said. And then I found there were three main um, themes or narratives, and then I made them into poems, and that was the beginning. Wow, uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, so that's how, that's how I got into it. And I joined a crew called the South Auckland Poets Collective, got to tour uh, the States and perform in Australia a couple of times, and got to perform my poetry in the Cook Islands. And just, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah.
0: It's one of the things that I found myself paying attention to (laughs) as I listened to Dietrich is this idea of poetry as some kind of catharsis, as this ability to give voice to experiences that so often sit beneath the surface and that often go unsaid. The pain and struggle that has nowhere to be expressed, suddenly finding its voice through the medium of poetry and spoken word in a context of others who are listening and affirming and responding. And in a world that tries to impose certain versions of reality on us and often pushes experience of pain and struggle to the side, this is a vitally important function in our communities and our society. And Dentrick went on to talk about this and the way it plays out with some of the young people Doing that there? he works with. Yeah,
1: so um, I, for a while I was um, a full-time poet and I had the opportunity of running spoken word workshops in, um, in different spaces, spaces. Uh, and the idea there is that spoken word, um, for me, has quite a high level of, of healing, of catharsis, of confession. And I wanted to give uh, this vehicle a go as far as youth, develop, uh, youth development so that young people can uh, find their voice share their story and uh, essentially stand strong in who they are, to own things, to own how they feel or to speak out against things. So uh, myself and uh, my good friends at at, uh, Action Education and the South Auckland Poets Collective, um, also in collaboration with New Navigation and other poetry outfit, uh, we formed these things called SUP, Nights, which is which is an acronym for stand-up poetry. So essentially an open mic that we scattered across uh, various parts of South Auckland because the the intent there is that well you know a lot of South Auckland uh, young people at the time weren't engaged in spoken word one because they wouldn't have ever had the chance to see it um, and two they wouldn't even have a chance to express it so. Um, that was, that was the intent. And so, how long ago was that? 2013. We set those SUP nights in 2013, and they're still going to this day across five different locations. And again, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to see diverse groups of people come together and listen to each other. Uh, it's, yeah, Uh and there's there's something so powerful about poetry or art in that in in this case, but poetry, spoken word gives uh, people the opportunity to say things that otherwise would not fit in ordinary conversation. You can't just rock up to someone and say, "Hey, I've uh, I've been uh, um, struggling with depression lately. You know, how are you doing?" You know, um, but spoken word gives. Uh, forwards us the opportunity as poets to invite an audience to see the world through our eyes for a moment, um, with all the detail and um, the things that the poet draws attention to. Now, the beautiful thing about poetry um, is it's, well, for me anyway, is the metaphor, um, and that we can find ourselves in metaphor. And that's what a lot of our young people do. Uh, tend to do is they find themselves in these pictures and these images, metaphorically speaking, but then they also find themselves in a community now, because it's the same group of people that will show up uh, once a month, Oh, hey, you know, how's it going, and you're now, you're now, you now have relationship and connection, and then you're now meeting outside of these poetry events. So there's this, like, flow-on effect that is bigger than just the poetry. It creates a sense of community, which essentially um, helps to foster a sense of belonging um, and a sense of, uh, you know, being comfortable in your own skin, which is what a lot of these, uh, you know, good youth development programs are attempting to do. Spoken word poetry was the vehicle that, Um, so for example I I have been doing youth work for I don't know well over um, 10 years probably closer to 15 years now maybe even 16 years and we would hold these 8 long 8 week long um, uh, PD groups personal development groups and we would it would take Seven weeks a week, meeting up once a week for two to three hours with a group of uh, rangatahi young people for them to finally open up and to start sharing stuff. Well, I found like with these, with these poetry workshops that I'd run, after about an hour and a half, you had, you'd cut through all the false pretense and all the, the masks and the layers and you cut through to the heart of things. Again, very catharsis. Cathartic. Um, uh, and and I, and I feel that's the offering that Spoken Word has for young people, is for all of those things to happen, sense of belonging and all that stuff that I'd mentioned earlier. Uh, so it's a very effective tool uh, for youth development. Yeah, cool. Uh, are, there, are there ways in which
0: you've seen, I mean, you've mentioned a bunch of them, I think they're already. Are there any particular stories that stand out to you maybe of what poetry has meant for for young people that you've worked with?
1: Yeah, um, well, some of the young people that I worked with back in 2011 and 2012 are now like still like actually incredible poets. They've been commissioned to write for uh, different departments of government now. Uh, they've gone on tour themselves. Um, there's the sense of community that that takes place. I mean there's there's a I, I, I've had this happen uh, quite a few times where young people who are are literally on the brink of um, suicidality, uh, this is just one extreme, who are on the brink of um, suicide find their voice and and share the thing that is hard for them to share. And then suddenly people gravitate towards them, and people are like, "Yeah, that's my story too," you know. Uh, and and then they, like, literally, don't go ahead with it, or don't even consider it anymore. I've had people um, uh, in workshops who uh, have been able to express not just the negative things, but the more positive things, like dreams and aspirations, that for them and their context. To say that you want to um, go to university or become a mechanic in their context is like, you're dreaming, hell no, no way. Was that ever gonna happen for you? But in that, in an, in a safe environment for them to begin to air that out and to then be encouraged from from the workshop and from the people in that room, they go on ahead and they find the, um, the courage to pursue whatever it is that they're wanting to pursue, whether it's to become a mechanic um, or go to university. So there's some very real, um, tangible outcomes that happen from just poetry, uh, but poetry is the vehicle. What
0: do you think it is about the form of poetry itself that allows people to give voice to things, whether challenging or, or aspirational? Mm. Uh, that maybe they haven't been able to
1: uh, find a way to express in in other mediums I think, and again uh, I can only speak from a spoken word poetry um, uh, perspective I think what it does is it can do a, a bunch of different things one that comes to mind is it can create a sense of distance so you're talking about the when you're sharing your poem you're talking about the poem right there's um there's a sense of removal so it's not it's not just coming outright and saying you know um i i want to beat the odds and become a mechanic you know it's not it's not owning it like that but it's in a much more it's in a pictorial sort of um you could you can place the narrative on someone else some fictitious character. or or what have you, but essentially you're still expressing the thing that you want to say. And the audience who are listening, and that's the other thing, the the other part, is that you have people who bear witness to what you're saying. And even more than that, they encourage what you're saying. Um, uh, I think what poetry does is it also, it, it gives space for poets to reflect on where things are at inside, and then to <laughs> disguise it in some respects uh, in poetry. You can't. I think, find, in this sense,
0: there's actually you know, something about the idea of art and poetry as resistance in this, and that's something you see in faith traditions too. And so I asked Dietrich a little bit about this as someone who identifies with the Christian Absolutely. tradition.
1: Um, I, I began to f- feel such a closeness to books like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and um, I began to really appreciate metaphor and uh, found the, the depth of truth in its many levels uh, of entry as opposed to just uh, quite literal Um, uh, interpretations so it was quite an opener Uh, and also in a weird kind of way it also expanded me as a a, my sense of compassion and empathy because what happened was as I continued this this rabbit hole of poetry and spoken word I found myself in rooms with people whose narrative I've never really been privy to or just wouldn't want to have a bar of it. Uh, You know, I I come from a very um, conservative um, uh, sort of background with um, very traditional um, religious views. So to now be in the middle of a, well, one, in a bar, bar, I'm in a bar listening to poetry, about to perform poetry. Two, a lot of the poets are are feminists. They are, um, uh, they... Are of different sexual orientation, um, s- different sexual uh, genderification, if that's a word, I don't know, like they, I, you know, different people identify differently, um, sexually that is. I, 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 you know, I'm now sitting in a room with all these really different narratives. And the beautiful thing is, is that because I'm there and I'm listening to them, and that's the thing with poetry, is that it cut through a lot of my um, walls or learnt things. Um, what I mean by that? Like, um, my own judgments, my own prejudices. And because poetry was the reason I'm there, I'm now not just there for the poetry, I'm now hearing people. I'm now hearing their story. I'm now getting to know them. And I'm now beginning to like them. And I'm now starting to see the humanity in them as they, as they um, put on display their suffering uh, at times, or their, their struggle. Um, and I say a lot of that because that began to uh, have a massive impact on the way I saw God and the way I viewed scripture was because I was, my, my neat uh, sort of um, structure that I had created, uh, my safe theology, my um, very exclusive um, view of things, was not, it was now not working anymore because it didn't have room for these people. It didn't um, choose to embrace or see them as them. And that's what poetry did. Um, yeah,
0: that's beautiful. As I find myself reflecting on all of this, I do think about the fact that the bulk of the ancient Hebrew prophets wrote so much of their prophecy in poetry. You know, we find these collected in the the Old Testament of the Christian and Hebrew scriptures. And these prophets confronted kings and leaders who were oppressing the poor, who were taking advantage of the weak, who were sacrificing their people for the sake of their egos. And these prophets used poetry to speak up. They confronted the force and violence of empires with art, with poetry that named a different kind of reality. And it invites me, it challenges me, it confronts me to think about the question of what this kind of prophetic, poetic resistance could look like now, especially in the world we live in at the moment, a world of protest and empire and violence and blame and ego. ego. And I was interested in the way that Dietrich oh, has 100%. negotiated this too.
1: Um, when I when I started uh, in the scene, uh, I was spoken word. which, You know, spoken word's been in this country for at least forty forty years. The longest running open mic is um, uh, at Thirsty Dog on Karangahape Road, uh, Tuesdays eight pm. Shout out to Poetry Live. Um, uh, what, like I said earlier. I was being exposed to these different narratives feminists uh, speaking out against patriarchy um, in fact one of the top groups that I really aspired to they were called Decolonize. Decolonise uh, and all their poetry was <laughs> exactly about that um, decolonising uh, the audience which was, which was powerful so there was a lot of energy behind all these poets and uh, sharing their their suffering, um, their struggle. Uh, what I felt, and, and yeah, you know, because that was the scene. I started trying to write like that, <laughs> um, and uh, but then I, I realised that that's not me. I'm right. not, I'm not that kind of poet. I have a message, yes, but maybe not like that, because there's a lot of angst, and and rightfully so. You know, rightfully so. Yeah. You, you want, when there is injustice, you want to call a spade a spade. Um, but I felt, for me in my own journey, I wanted to, I knew that the things that, that these poets were saying, the general populace needed to hear. But you can't start talking like, like that with that much heat until people are ready to hear it. So there needs to be some earlier steps um, so that it's accessible. So as far as um, resistance, because those were the spaces I was performing in, my my act of resistance poetically was to actually talk about love right. <laughs> and to talk about compassion and empathy um, and to try and bring um, uh, like a... a balanced picture of humanity if that makes sense because uh, I noticed that when I would go to these um, poetry events or even uh, um, marches or protests it would be the same people and it would be the same um, narratives being shared um, but I was like wow I feel like we need to create um, some some easier entry points into these bigger narratives, yeah. um, these bigger discussions, uh, so that people can actually feel like they can, they are welcomed into this discussion and it being a discussion rather than just a rant yeah. and an ac- accusatory um, sort of slant on it. So, um, yeah, so I, I I found myself in, in uh, different, uh, with different activists, uh, Sharing poems about love and about compassion and about acceptance, um, and I would end up in churches and I would share these same poems. But when you put them in a church context, they now are starting to sound a bit more activisty, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because there's a bit of that that carried through, you know, speaking out against consumerism, um, speaking out against, um, or, or trying to. Trying to bring people to a mindfulness of the environment and how they engage with the environment. Um, those have been uh, some of the themes of my poetry. But my poetry, sitting right next to like the the ones that had inspired me, like decolonise and in, in them, my poetry sounds like a bit of flowers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> comparatively. Sure. You know. Um, yeah. Um.
0: So I also asked Dietrich if he had a poem or two to share. And so the first of these related to our conversation about love, and it's called The Flow of Life.
1: When your doubt is a vast body of water locked behind your eyes, when faith is a watermark of ancient floods, when self-sabotage lives in your capillaries and just breathing is mutiny to one's own soul, say this, say out loud, I am here, I am long. When life is like a rip, tearing you away from the shore of all that is childhood comfortable certain, don't panic. Just go with it. The more you struggle, the more likely you will have a terrifying death. Instead, lie back. Let it lift you and drop you. Feel it. The only thing that is certain is that she will come. Just as night comes before the morning, welcome her. Life is filled with many little deaths. Say this, say out loud, I am here, I belong. When your confidence is a baby's first smile, smiling, remember that love is learning to accept all that is fading. So appreciate it by celebrating. Every step is the right direction. It might not feel like it, but this is your journey teaching you what you had already known. So be still enough to feel the earth still moving. She is breathing. So should you. When certain days a typhoon and whirlpool and it sounds like a roaring, rolling explosion both awe-inspiring and terrifying Realise that this, this all needs to be celebrated. This is all that it means to be human. This part is for the first signs of heartbreak for those in mourning. Those whose silent grieving is a spinning compass pointing in every which way. Sometimes we need to be lost to find our way again. You will find your way again. The seasons will change. The little peering eyes of Matariki, a new day, a new dawn. Do not forget that you are here and you belong.
0: So started off talking about power and belonging and poetry and resistance. And somehow ended up talking about love and belonging and presence. But I wonder if there's at least something going on here that's needed right now by way of resistance. There, are, there is a lot of anger and scapegoating and violence and conflict in the world. So perhaps we could all do with a little more of this flow of life that Dietrich talks about here. Poetry and art and music, resistance and love. So I want to finish this episode with another poem. Dietrich, and as I mentioned, Dietrich's from the Christian tradition, and given this interview was recorded just a couple of weeks before Christmas, he wanted to share a Christmas poem he wrote, which explores the tension between the Christmas story, his faith, and the current cultural pressures that we find ourselves under.
1: It starts with a mark of hope, burning bright in an ocean of stars, a sign of something glorious being birthed this moment that would change what it means to be human an invitation to sing in heavenly sync with unseen and seen creation this child that breathes in our brokenness and exhales redemption this gift from god that would articulate and serve as an exclamation mark of god's love for all that god has created the genesis of humanity's revelation revolution The answer to ancient prayers for salvation, hope, faith, and love flows like rivers in his veins. This baby's shoulders shoulder everyone that was and is and will be. A burning light has entered a dark and desperate world. Celestial beings break out into haka in celebration. The heavens shake and break into song and dance. The birth tears the fabric of time. As time itself shouts, I will become even more undignified than this. Revealing eternal beauty, born in humble beginnings. With eyes of faith, I remember. Or do I? My year has been more about exchanges of Instagram reality for my God-given liberty, working so hard to obtain a thinner me because beauty is in the eye of social media. And here I am, Glorified plastic silicone electric iphone connected family and friends neglected all for a better office view a nice car for my friends and Family to see me in but it's my mum and dad who haven't seen me in a while because I've been chasing the Joneses But the Joneses have been struggling to keep up with the Kardashians. What a mad rush. We're in vanity 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 All is vanity, says an ancient poet who had it all and saw the rise and fall of empires. All the while, more food on my Christmas plate than some children have seen in their whole lifetime. Spanning maybe only a handful of months because it's about instant food and instant finance where I happily put myself into debt. While on the way back from buying my newest, latest to enjoy time, so you're bigger in the distance, so I create distance and say sorry, no change, and I'm right because there will be no change, because nothing is for free, and that especially includes social change, global change, environmental change, I ain't got no spare change, because it has to be spent on me, me the priority, I seem to forget this freedom and hope. This heavenly present that presents a presence to help me to be more present with those around me this day. Helps me to engage with eternity and reminds me that there is beauty in me. I just need to embrace it more. Remember more. That there is more to life that regardless of whether Christmas is more about consumerism for most. It's a choice. A chance. To remember. To celebrate. His birth birth becomes a moment of rebirth as he unearths this timeless redemption and salvation, an exclamation mark of God's love for all that God had created. I choose to remember.
0: So that was Dietrich Suakai with a Christmas poem. And my thanks to Dietrich for joining me uh, to have a bit of a conversation for this episode.
1: Uh, that is it for episode five of In the Shift